and welcome to Rainy Day Diaries, an imperfect podcast that will dive headfirst into how you can thrive in your creative life and business, even if you struggle with mental wellness. I am your host, Jennifer Lynn, and as a longtime struggler of anxiety and depression myself, I hope this podcast will help you realize that you could still get stuff done when you deal with all these crazy things on a daily basis, that you're not alone, and that falling down does not mean you won't get back up again. I thank you so much for listening, and as always, if you have any suggestions or questions or topics you'd love to hear about, please email me at jenniferlynn at gmail.com. Thanks. Enjoy the show. On this episode of Rainy Day Diaries, I am interviewing my friend Candice, who is a fellow illustrator and super encourager, and I adore her, and her work is so sweet and uplifting, and I know I just introduced you, but uh, you can continue to introduce yourself. (laughs) Hi! Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Um, I've been following your art journey as well, and I just love everything that you do. I have one of your um, pieces. It's right, like I can look at it right now. It's right in front of my art table, and it says, Trusting God is a Business Strategy. And that's been there for the last couple of years, and it's, you know, so such an important truth. So thank you for that. I, I feel like I, you're with me when I'm creating, but um, my name is Candice, and um, I'm the owner and artist behind Heart by Cece. And I've been doing um, illustrations and art for five years now, um, full-time for, this is my second year doing it full-time. And I'm also a mom to three little boys and a wife to a police officer. And we also own, in addition, (laughs) a business that's a photo booth inside a Volkswagen bus that we restored. And so, yeah, that's pretty much me. That's that's all, you know, I can think of to say <laughs> about who I am. That is totally fine. And I love the VW bus idea. That is so cute. And the photos, if you go to her Instagram, you could see her in her bus and it's just so cute. So what did you actually want to be growing up? And maybe it was an artist. And how does that compare to what you're doing now? So growing up, I, I was... Um, I came from a very creative family. My mom was always doing different arts and crafts and my grandmother is an oil painter. And so I started receiving art lessons from her when I was about two and a half. Um, I have a few photos of me and her together, but she started teaching me how to draw and to paint. Um, And so I did that as often as I could, but I, at that time, I really wanted to be an astronaut. That's awesome. <laughs> I just, and my family laughs at me because I wanted to be a ballerina, but I, I had this thing that when people ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would say I wanted to be the first female president that was a ballerina that also walked on the moon. And so that was like my go-to answer growing up. And everyone always used to just think, you know, wow, what a dreamer she is. Um, there's but still I'm, time. There's still time to do all those things. So I still might impress everybody. I think I was about six the first time I walked through a Hallmark store. And I was looking at the greeting cards. And I remember at that moment, I knew that I wanted to see my art in the Hallmark star, store eventually. Um, that hasn't happened yet. So <laughs> there's still time for that dream as well. But I think that's about the time that I realized I wanted to create art that uh, was comforting but also brought a lot of joy, which I think if you walk through a Hallmark store today, that's kind of what you're going to see. You're going to see cards of various for different occasions, for sadness, for joy, for celebration. And um, so that's what I'm trying to do today. I'm trying to bring that same sense of comfort and peace and joy to my own artwork um, because I love the fact that I create something and then I send it out into the world and then it finds who it's going to find. And I hope that it does what it's done for me in creating it for them as well. So, you know, I wanted to be an artist like that when I was a little girl. I feel like I'm (laughs) doing my very best um, to honor her wishes. Um, Now, uh, as an adult, um, it's been, you know, difficult to find your way as an artist. This is not an easy career at all. And I um, I left a really wonderful job of uh, 15 years to pursue it full time. So, but I really do feel like I'm doing what I was meant to do. That's always important. And you knew so young, like you're literally like your six-year-old self. 
Like, yes. Yeah. So I, cool. think, I think I even say in my bio, my seven-year-old self, and I found a picture though recently and I was about six in the photo. And that's about the time that I really just knew that I wanted to do something like that. Um, and so I, I come from really creative people. So I don't think I ever had a chance to not be creative. You know, uh, like I said, my grandmother was like at two, two and a half. I think I remember my mom saying at two, she wanted to start. And then by the back, time I was two and a half I could sit for maybe about 30 minutes we could do a small little painting so that's, <laughs> that's so cool so were you oil painting at six that's like a I hardcore think. paint <laughs> you know she probably did use oil paints with us back then um as she taught me as I got older I was using acrylics and still to, to this day I use acrylics um and watercolors when I when I do paint but um yeah oil paints I've never really gotten along with they're a little difficult they intimidate me just because, just for the turpentine factor. Yes. <laughs> the fact that you have to, like, wash them in, like, a chemical-type substance, like, deter me, deters me, and they're so thick. Like, I don't know. Yes, I recently learned that soft pastels are super toxic, and I had not known that soft pastels were really toxic. And it's funny, because I've always used them, but I work I at an art school part-time and the students all wear masks and gloves when they work with, with soft pastels. So huh. really interesting. Some of the, the art supplies that we work with are super toxic. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great to hear. Not to scare you. <laughs> I'm already scared now. Um, <laughs> so what was your job before, if you don't mind sharing, what was so your job I, I worked in real estate. Um, and what I did is I worked for as a, a few private investors and, um, I managed all of their investment properties and accounts. And then, um, I also was the project manager for, uh, home flipping. So we, they would purchase a home and then I would come in with a plan and a crew and, and supervise that. Um, that's kind of what gave me the bug to start creating again, as I hadn't been in, I was very creative growing up and in high school and in college, but had really lost that after I had kids and I wasn't creating. And I think I went a good, I think it was about 11 years that I wasn't uh, creating any type of art at all. And so um, I got to be creative on some of those real estate projects, which ultimately gave me the bug again to start creating art. That's interesting. I never knew you were a realtor or like any yeah, it's, collections of it's, things. So strange because um, who I was in that career is so opposite of who I am today. Uh, some of the some of the things that I would do in that job, where um, you know I was a landlord, and you know I don't know if you know anything. Most of us are renters and have rented and that type of thing. But I was really a complaint department, and so for many many years, I really dealt with you know people not being happy or you know that type of thing, and it was stressful and it was difficult on my heart to be in a job where, you know, it wasn't always the nicest people that I was dealing with, nor did they see me in a light that they thought was kind or nice, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. So. No, it's true. How did, is that like, did you fall into that career? I or? did. I fell into it. Um, my husband and I have been dating since high school and his mother um, had a company where she was doing something similar. And so I picked it up as kind of like an after-school job for a while, and then I um, went to college and quickly dropped out after my first year. I just found learning. I have um, dyslexia, so learning has been difficult for me, and college was not where I strive. <laughs> like, I just did not uh, fit in there. I didn't like it. So my mother said to me, you know, you have to do something. Um, why don't you go to beauty school? And I went to beauty school believe it or not. And, you know, I was an esthetician for a few years and it was fine, but ultimately wasn't, I didn't feel called to do bikini waxes and eyebrow waxes. Really? Why not? It just wasn't my thing. <laughs> I mean, hey, the world needs people like that. I just, it wasn't, um, I didn't feel like I was going to do change the world in that no, position. I feel you. <laughs> and <laughs> so, um, you know, I just kind of, went back to that, went back to what I kind of knew and I, and I was good at it and did it for a very long time. And then when I was pregnant with my oldest son, uh, the opportunity came where I could go out on my own and work from home. And that ultimately was my goal was to be at home with my children 
but still maintain an income. And so that job allowed me to do that for, you know, 15 years. That was wonderful. That's a big blessing. Yes. I'm definitely, obviously being pregnant, thinking about those same things. Um, Yeah. So then uh, what were your teen years like? Um, Oh gosh. So, you know, I was born and raised in San Diego and when I was 10 years old, my parents moved me to a very small town in Michigan. So culture shock completely going from San Diego to Northern Michigan. I mean, there was just so many things that were, you know, that were new to me, not even thinking about the weather. I mean, just culturally moving to a very small town. And so, um, I, had a rough go at my teen years. For one, I was used to always being in the sun, you know, in San Diego. I mean, it's beautiful today. It's a little cold, but you know, I think you're from Florida. So yeah, that is important. And so I had a little bit of seasonal depression when I first moved, it was difficult. Um, and it was also difficult because I came into a community where everybody had gone to school with each other since preschool. And then all of a sudden I was this new girl I was in seventh grade, you know, and the hardest year. Oh, I didn't know anybody. And it was hard to break into, you know, kids that have known each other their whole lives. And so I was definitely awkward. Um, I was a little artsy, you know, I would be goth for one week and then I <laughs> would be like Nirvana and flannel shirts and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but ultimately Um, I did survive my teen years, but, um, you know, I suffered pretty badly from seasonal depression. And so when I was uh, 15, my parents moved back to San Diego because of that purpose, just to get me out of that environment, to get me back into the sun and, and closer to family. And so then it was really hard because I was moving back to where I was and all those kids had had five years without me. And so I was trying to break back into friendships as a sophomore in high school. So it was really, really hard. Um, and I ultimately ended up homeschooling for the rest of my, my high school career. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I found, you know, it was just difficult to go from one place to the to the other and then back home again. It, it, that too was difficult. It wasn't like just, oh, here she is. And, you know, <laughs> I was gone for five crucial years of my yeah. youth. And so that part is really, really um, difficult. But I'm so happy that I had that experience because that experience made me who I am today in many ways. I, I know what it's like to be the lonely kid and I know what it's like to be the popular kid. And, you know, there's not a lot of difference between those two. I mean, and there is to the world, you know, there's lonely children and there's popular children and that type of thing, but they are, their emotions are very much the same. Um, they're scared, they're insecure, they're all of those things about the same thing. So they're insecure about the same things. They're sad about the same things. They're happy about the same things. And so there's not a big difference between being one or two, one of those groups. You know, they ultimately feel the same. That's an interesting perspective, actually. I think the only reason I have that perspective is because I feel like I've done both in those crucial teen years, you know? Um, I don't know if everybody would have that experience. I think that, you know, obviously if you weren't a popular kid or you were more of a lonelier um, kid, your perspective would be that the popular kids have, have it going on, that they're, they're, that's where it's at, that you want to be like them. And I think often they feel like they would like to be a little less visible. No, I could see that, especially because, um, well, I was the nerdy, unpopular, lonely child. Uh, but I would, and I don't know if I had this perspective as a young person, but as an older person, it seems there's a lot of pressure. Like, there's pressure. Yeah. There's still pressures in the nerdy group, but I can't imagine the pressures of being a popular person and then consistently being that popular person. And I went to like a very small prep school and it was very rich and snobby. And then mm-hmm. you had to have the next 
fancy purse. You had, you, there's like so many requirements yeah. to be popular. And I'm not sure how that works in middle school or high school with public school. Cause I didn't go to public school till I was in 11th grade, but um, I don't know, pressures to each, but being a teenager is not easy. And I would never no. go back. <laughs> I would never go back. Um, me and my husband had a conversation not too long ago where we were like, if you could go back to one age, what would it be? And I, I was like, I would go back to 20. I wouldn't go back <laughs> earlier than that because it is, there's so many pressures of that. Um, my oldest son is 12. He's getting ready to turn 13. And I'm seeing the switch to teenager. It happens very quickly. Um, and it's a little scary. It's a little nerve wracking because you know um, what he's about to encounter and how do you best support that? I mean, our parents must have just not known what to do <laughs> with us. And I feel the same. I, even though I've gone through it, I don't know how to prepare him for what he's about to go through. I don't even know how to, I, I want to say prepare myself. Like I don't, I wouldn't know how to comfort me at that age, even now. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know what what could have been done differently. I just know what didn't work and right. what maybe worked. But I, I still, as an adult, don't know exactly if anything would have worked or if it's just something you have to like go through. I feel the same way. I don't know that I could, I don't know that I could um, go back and tell her, oh, you know, it's going to be okay. I, I wouldn't have believed anybody at that age anyway. I know, exactly. The advice that I, I mean, you know, you just don't take advice at that age and you and that's got to be part of the process of growing up is that you kind of learn for your, for yourself, but not in a million years would I want to go back and be in ninth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th. You know, you can't just nope. name a grade that I'd want to be back in. Um, it's funny because even as an adult, sometimes I find myself in situations where I go, gosh, this is kind of high school, you know, it kind of feels like clicky and, you know, there's gossip and things like that. And, and I just want to be so far away from that. I never oh. want to experience that stuff. Me neither. I find that like, I haven't had a ton of jobs and the jobs I've had have been like all over the spectrum and never have I, I've never had, I've never gone to college. So I've never had like a grown up career job. Like I've never right. had like worked in a corporate company. I've worked in everything from call centers to coffee shops to car auctions. That's a lot of C's. I would win. Wow. Oh, I would win categories. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I get such a good score in categories. Um, and everyone was so terrible in all of those things. And there weren't that many, I don't know. It was, and again, I was, it's been a long time since I've been in any of those jobs, but I don't know. I feel like once you get, I feel this is not necessarily how real life is, but when you get (laughs) to a certain age, it shouldn't be the same as high school anymore. It shouldn't like, it shouldn't be so much about judging and appearance and money and yeah Yeah, I feel like Like, I was really hopeful when I got out of high school and the little bit of college and stuff that I did that I would have I would be able to stop competing and that's just not how this world works I mean the 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 mentality of people is to compete 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 And, and it really is a change in your own mindset that has to take place to get out of that and it's so hard even mm-hmm. with with social media it just makes it even harder especially we're like the most artists are generally extremely sensitive and mm-hmm. hard on themselves to begin with and then they're placing these things that's like super personal and then you're just scrolling through life <laughs> or in right. social media and you're like all these things aren't happening or like look and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast is because life especially with the internet, the way it is, life is you're supposed to promote perfectionism and that's not real. And so that's where I've struggled the most and maybe why I haven't succeeded in the ways I want to with my business in various manners. Is I don't want to, I don't want to be that. That's not real. Like, <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. You want to be who you authentically are. I mean, mm-hmm. I've spent plenty of years being exactly who the world wanted me to be at the detriment to you know, my own suffering for, for it. And that's one thing is that when I started out on social media and on Instagram in particular, um, I remember a lot of people 
this is probably about four years ago, a lot of people saying, don't share about your life. It's got to be about your business only. You only share your art. Um, you don't talk about your personal feelings. You don't talk about your family. Um, you don't talk about struggling at all. I mean, don't you dare ever mention the fact that you might be sad or depressed. And um, <clears throat> when you do that, when you have the perfect um, Instagram feed, when, when it's all beautiful and you've used only you know, 10 colors. <laughs> You've seen these pages, right? That's, Where, yep, just this morning. <laughs> it's, it's all just, you know, they only use those 10 colors and, and, you know, they don't talk about themselves. And I remember thinking, you know, if I had done that early on, I, maybe I would be more successful than I am today. And the truth of the matter is I would be miserable. Mm-hmm. I would be miserable if I had succeeded in lying to everybody that my life was really beautiful and only 10 shades and, um, that I didn't have feelings. I mean, so I, I decided really early on that that wasn't going to be my approach to social media and that's been a detriment. (laughs) Some people like it. Some people don't. I've, I've had people voice how much they don't like it. I've had really, yes. I, you know, I, I've encountered when I got to a certain number of followers, I had a lot of uh, negative, you know, feedback. Um, I still get negative feedback from time to time. Um, You know, it's one of those things where people are going to like you or they're going to hate you. And there's not a whole lot in between, you know? And so it's sad that we live in a world where you can't just walk over, you know, just, just skip, you know, just, if I see something, I just, and I don't like it, I just skip it. I don't need to hop on there and leave a comment or, you know, write a nasty email So my goal with my account has always been to be as real as I possibly can be um, at the detriment of, you know, lots of things (laughs) happening. And for the last probably four years, I have always looked at it and thought, well, gosh, you know, maybe I need to just change. I need to do something better. You know, I didn't feel successful in what I was doing somewhere around six months ago, I finally just had this realization that maybe this is what success looks like. Like what if this is as successful as I get? And am I okay with that? And so in the beginning, when I first started asking myself that question, I was not okay with that. I was like, no, you know, I think I can be, this isn't, I'm not in Hallmark. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not seeing my cards anywhere. I'm not seeing my art anywhere in the world. And so I'm not successful, but it's become really apparent to me, especially in the last six months that what, what's happened to me, the growth that I've encountered in the last five years in doing this and what I've done with my art and the conversations and the relationships I've developed through my art I am really successful regardless of world standards. Like I, if this is all it is, if tomorrow it's all taken away and it's gone, then I totally rocked it. And I'm okay (laughs) with that now. And that was really a hard place to get to. But um, I think that you have to show people who you are and that means the good and the bad. And oftentimes the really ugly parts and the people who matter will stick around and the people who only want 10 shades of color on their Instagram feed, they'll move on. You know, they'll, they have their own crowd too. Everybody has their own crowd. So I'm like nodding profusely at everything. <laughs> I know it's true. I mean, it's funny. Cause when I started, so I made jewelry before I did illustration and there was no like, Etsy like was literally just starting in 2007 and there was no Instagram and Facebook wasn't, it was only around for like college students, I think at the time. And there wasn't like a craft movement yet. And back then the only business type, there wasn't like courses and art. Like now you're like overly Mm -hmm. compensated or thrown, everything's thrown at you in all these different directions that people are going to help you and do it this way and do it this way and do it this way. But back then it wasn't. And back then it was like, you are the company. You are like, you are not you. And I feel like a good shift of like this, like big art movement that has happened is we are us. We are people. It's not, 
it's not, you know, at Rainy Day Diaries, we do this. Because there is no we. But, like, right. when I first started, uh, like, doing what I had to do in that business back then and creating a real professional website and a catalog and whatnot, we were a we, even though it was just me. And I, yeah, I do think that there's, I don't know. I feel like there's a little more shift now where every, there are still the 10 monotone with like mm-hmm. a splash of now that there's Instagram stories, a splash of real life. <laughs> like, and then yes. there's people who are like, all right, this is me. Like, yeah. <laughs> where it makes my husband really uncomfortable because I've always been like a, this is me uh, mm-hmm. type of thing. <laughs> but I think it's important. It's, it, it's what I'm supposed to be doing. And I truly feel that way. And I'm supposed to be honest and authentic and hopefully help people along the way. And the success thing is really hard. Like it's hard to not, to not feel like, okay, if you're not making this many, this much money with this many people following you and this much things under your belt and these many places you've been seen and this places you've been published. It's hard to not feel like you're failing because it feels right. like you're, it's either success or failure, but there's yes. obviously that's one in 10 and there's like nine other numbers. Well, not nine, eight, seven, I guess <laughs> math, I'm an artist, but there's so many numbers <laughs> in between and it's hard to be one of the other numbers. <laughs> it is. It is. It's one one of those things. Like, so when I decided to leave my job to do art full time, um, my art was doing really well, and I thought for sure this is going to sustain my family, and I'm going to be able to make it with just the art. And <clears throat> so that didn't happen, and I felt like a total failure. I spent much of 2017 feeling like this was my big year to do this on my own, you know, without any additional income, and and you know, demand that my art pay my rent every month. And in that, I felt like such a failure because I wasn't able to make it. I wasn't able to do it. And by the time I got to the end of 2017, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go get a real job. I'm going to go get a nine to five job. I'm going to go, you know, I, this didn't work despite, you know, working as many hours a week as possible. This didn't work. And I ended up reading a book called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And, you know, she has a chapter in there where she basically talks about what are you willing to do for your art? Like, you know, you cannot look at your art and your creativity and demand it to pay your rent. I mean, that's not how it works. And so um, at the beginning of this year, I took a part-time job at an art school. I'm their office manager. And now I also clean houses uh, twice a week. And I'm doing my art. And so I'm doing all these other jobs in a way to nurture my art <laughs> this year. Um, I don't care, you know, I don't want to put so much pressure on my art like I did last year that I walk away feeling like a failure. I really want to nurture it and take care of it. Um, that's, that's when we're successful with our art is when it's really coming from a place of freedom. And so big deal that I have to go, you know, that I'm not in my studio 45 hours a week. Big deal that I go and I get a paycheck from somebody else. And big deal that I have to go and clean houses. If those things allow me to have freedom in my art, then it's worth it. And so I'm sure a lot of, even my friends and my family think, oh, she failed. You know, she didn't make it. Look, she's getting a job and now she has to go work for other people. And, uh, but that's, but you know, you have to stop caring about the opinions and thoughts of other people when it comes to your art. Otherwise we wouldn't create anything in the first place. I mean, we just wouldn't if we, if we created with the mindset that other people were going to criticize it right away, we wouldn't create it in the first place. And the same thing is done with my success or my failure. Like I cannot, if I look at it like it's a failure, then it's a failure, but I have to have the mindset that it's a success because it's brought me where I am, you know, today. So it's, it's something that I definitely struggle with. Nobody wants to be a failure. No one especially wants to go out and be an artist and be a failure. I mean, um, it's funny because I hadn't had a lot of rejection in my life. Um, (laughs) so as soon as you become an artist and you start doing submissions, that's when you, and I have gotten nothing but rejections. And here's the thing, like, at first I was like, really? <laughs> I had never experienced 
rejection a lot, uh, you know, maybe ever. I think, you know, it was one of those areas in my life where I was like, every job I've ever applied for, I've gotten, you know, and why not it be the same with art? But I think you need the rejection, you know, to make you try harder because otherwise you get too comfortable. I'm impressed that you're, <laughs> I, so we said this before the call, but I'm a pessimist. So in my brain, I'm like, I'm going to send all these and they're going to reject me. And it's funny to hear the opposite <laughs> perspective where you're like, yeah. you don't want me. Because <laughs> <laughs> me, I'm just like, they're never going to accept me. And then when something happens, I'm like, okay, that's good. But the next thing. <laughs> I think that's really, I mean, I, that's the attitude I'm starting to have now with submissions. You get, I've gotten enough rejections. No, it makes me I'm sad like, oh, now. It's going to be like, I feel well, the world's always going to come in at some point and be like, hey, that dream of yours and crush it up. But, um, you know, it's one of, I did when I first started sending out submissions, I thought, yeah, I'm going to be at a Hallmark soon. And, you know, uh, this morning I opened up my email and it was another rejection from a greeting card company. And I, mind you, my art is not geared towards greeting cards. You know what I mean? It's my hope. I, I hope to move in that direction. But um, I had submitted some Christmas designs and they've done well with, you know, uh, in my own shop and things like that. And they were like, no, you know, we're, we're not interested, but it was a really nice rejection letter. And they were like, keep going and that type of thing. And I thought, that should be how they all are. They all yeah. should be really nice and encouraging. I think life in life we need more happy bedside manner. Yeah. Like, and that's not real life, especially as rejections and doctors. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's so true. Which are like two times when you're I mean, when you're getting rejected and when you're at the doctor, it's like usually very stressful and you're nervous and it's usually like not what you need to hear. <laughs> or not nice at all. So the fact that you got a nice one, that someone I got went it. out of their it's way. So nice. Yeah, that's yeah, it's awesome. such a nice rejection. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna pin it up on my board behind <laughs> me. Um just so I can see it because they it was a really encouraging rejection. And um gosh, I wish every rejection was like that. The first rejection I got for an agent when I was looking for an agent for my book, it was like I decided to send three out at the same time because someone said try sending, try doing things in threes. And then if all, if everyone rejects you, it might be the way you're writing the email. It might be the art itself. Like do you have a better perspective of the, of like something's obviously wrong if everybody is, I mean, it's not everybody rejecting this three people, but, um, and so I sent it out and it's like, we'll let you know in four to six weeks. And they wrote back in an hour and it wasn't even a real email. It was like a little oh. square of text. Yeah in an email that said no it basically said no I like, I like immediately started bawling I'm like they really hated me a lot if it's four to six weeks and they wrote to me in an hour like and the next one wrote to me the next day with it was an email but it was a no and I was like wow everyone really doesn't like this <laughs> the next one was a yes but that's a story for another day but it's great um yeah I don't know it's hard like it's so inform like impersonal, not informal. Well, it's so impersonal a lot of the times and right. Hard. But yeah, I mean, I I had a friend say just just keep doing it, like just make it a game and, and keep submitting it. I today after this, and this was a really nice rejection, but today I was kind of like, well, you know, what will you do if if you never get a yes? You know, like will you keep submitting? Because I tend to not have that type of personality. You know, I give it my best shot, and if it's a no, I kind of walk away as gracefully as I possibly can. Um, and you know, I don't know, I think I'm just going to fly by the seat of my pants on it. If I see a, you know, a submission that looks interesting and if not, you know, I, I'm just coming to the realization that, you know, my success may look different from other people's and that may mean no licensing and that may mean no agent, but it does mean that there are still, I'm still reaching people with my art. And I think that's the most important thing. No, I agree. Um, no, it's, it's hard because what, and also what you see for the other people that might not be yes. their life either. Like, unless you actually yeah. know them and you know, their day to day, like you don't, you don't know. And that's the hard part. Like it is. <laughs> yeah. So switching gears a little bit other than rejection letters. Um, let's talk about a time you fell and got back up again. 
So I have, um, I've kind of constantly persevered my whole life. I mean, I've been somebody who I don't give up easily. Um, I'm a believer in hope and that type of thing. Um, about, it was two, almost two years ago, my uh, best friend, uh, John, passed away. And I, it was a, I did share it publicly on my Instagram and, and my blog at the time. It was difficult. I, John was somebody who I worked with in the real estate world and had worked with. Um, I knew him from the time I was 16, so I knew him for a very long time. He was old enough to be my father, but we had like a brother-sister relationship. And so when he passed away... Uh, was really difficult. It was the first time I had experienced depression as an adult. I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to deal with having my life be so turned upside down and that it was, it was extremely hard. And, um, I will say that the people who in my life that came out and supported me and really helped me were surprising. It wasn't the people that I thought, you know, it wasn't my best friend of of, you know, 15 years. It wasn't those people. It was, you know, complete strangers who took time to drive to see me and, and take time out of their schedule. And so the community also of Instagram, I shared his battle with cancer and me being his caretaker on Instagram and the community of Instagram itself and my followers who are really just friends that I haven't met in person yet. Um, the, they were the people that got me through that. Um, and so I mean, I'm so grateful for that because I think the first time you experience something as an adult, <laughs> you kind of think like when I experienced depression as a teenager, it was different. Um, I didn't have a job. Um, I had my parents support, you know, I was still a child basically. So as an adult, I, I remember laying in bed for the first few months and thinking, there's nobody here to tell me to get out of bed, but me. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling myself, don't get out of bed, you know? And so, um, I needed all those people to encourage me, um, and to get me up and out of my bed and creating art again. Um, and so really that was, that was an amazing thing what happened and what took place. And, um, I definitely couldn't have done it without the encouragement of literally thousands of people, <laughs> which is kind of neat to say, but I couldn't have done it without them. So, yeah. I love that. It's, uh, it's funny because I have found when, I'm trying to figure out how to say it, um, it's hard not to look at social media as like numbers, right. but then like it's not compare like, Oh, I only have 500 people or I only have a thousand people or I only have 10,000 people or I only have 20,000 people. Um, but realistically, and this is so hard for me, like um, realistically, it's not about the number at all because the people who are there all the time, it doesn't matter what your Instagram looks like or the colors or how many people there are, but they come out of the woodwork, like right. Jenner, not all the time, but they come out of the woodwork when something big is happening. And that's kind yeah. of amazing. Like it is, I feel like, um, you know, my life prior with friendships and things, um, you know, when I moved back to San Diego, I was almost out of high school. I ended up homeschooling. I really only had my husband and like one other girlfriend for a very, very long time. And that, um, there's nothing wrong with that. I know lots of people who don't have a big social circle, but what I had found was that I, I needed some support, you know, that I wasn't getting, you know, you, you don't get certain types of support from a small group. I mean, you know, generally, even with girlfriends and stuff, most of us have a few different girlfriends, you know, maybe that you call, you call one girlfriend for parenting advice. You call another girlfriend when you just need to go out and have a good time. And then you have your, you know, your, so I didn't have any of that. And so what social media has kind of taught me is just that there are, and I've met some of my best friends in life, real life best friends came from social media. I would have never found them anywhere. You know what I mean? My normal life, we would have never encountered each other. Um, I would have never met you all the way in Florida. You know what I mean? So 
there's so many different things. And I think that's like so magical and it's so needed. Um, it helps us grow when we're part of something bigger than this tiny little circle or we're bigger than just this, um, this little square on the internet. We really are a community and that's really important and really special and magical. I think it is magical. That. It's funny. Cause I didn't have, I didn't really didn't have any friends. I mean, I had like I went to a school where like 90% were popular and 10% were rejects. So if you look in like the cafeteria, it's like eight tables of popular people and one table of not popular people. And some of those people were very nice. And some one or two I talked to now after like not talking for years, like we've rejected, but there was nobody I really, there's very few, maybe one that I trusted was, they were my friend and not a friend and a bully. Or like, and so I didn't have anybody really like, and the people I did have as friends, I didn't feel comfortable actually hanging out with because I didn't trust they'd do something to me or like, Mm -hmm. and so it wasn't until social media that I really found people. And if you, if I look through all my texts, like all the people I'm texting now, almost everyone is from the internet and half of them I've never met in real life and half of them I went out of my way to meet. Right. But before that, there was, I don't know, if there was no social media and no connections at all, like the connections you can make, like even getting to talk to you is so cool. I mean, we've known each other for years and like never physically talked or or anything. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's, yeah, I'm really curious what life would be like. I never really, I didn't think about that until just now. Like I'd have no one to talk to ever because almost (laughs) everyone I text is like, I met on the internet. So (laughs) I think it's wonderful. I think, like I said, I I meet people from backgrounds that I wouldn't have ever just encountered in everyday life. You know, the last year working at home from my studio full time, I will say I had some loneliness. I definitely battled a little bit of loneliness. And so one of those things about going back to work was I was really hopeful that I would meet people, like-minded people, people who had different views, you know, you can learn so much from everybody. And that's one thing I'm learning to do now all over again, now that I'm working a little bit outside the home and outside of my studio, is that you do get a little comfortable with (laughs) being behind a screen, you know, it's kind of easy to, you know, show people what you want them to see. And getting back out there into the world has been a little scary, but overall, I really feel like it's a good balance. It's a good balance to have community in life and, you know, virtual community is really wonderful too. No, that's good to know. It's good. I've, it's definitely lonely. It's like bittersweet. It's like, yeah, you're doing what you want to do. You're hoping for the best and like you make connections with people and then, but at the same time, you don't have interactions daily, but there's days I don't talk to a single person ever until my husband yes. comes home. And that's hard. And it's, and it seems like spoily, like, I don't know the right word, like poor spoiled Jen, like gets to do her own thing. But at the same right. time, like, it is a blessing, but it's also like, you start to go crazy a little, like, yeah, you, have, no, like, you definitely have to have that. <laughs> You do have to have some in-person community. I, um, I, you know, I think it's good for everybody to have that. Um, and it's hard to, if you're solely working with just virtual community, you're going to find that you're lonely and you're going to find that all of a sudden you get in front of people and you're a little awkward because, yep. you know, I'm it's so different. <laughs> it's just so different. And, you know, um, I found that to be happening more and more to myself and I, think that it was probably my husband last um, fall and he was like, you got to join like a, you know, go to our church's women's group or something. I mean, get out there. Um, because I have this, you know, I have this thing where I don't tell people what I do on the internet. So if I meet you in person, I'm probably not going to, I might say, you know, I'm an artist or something, but I don't say, yo, yeah. And I do this and I'm on Instagram and, you know, I don't talk about that. And so, um, it's really pushed me to kind of get out of my comfort zone and, you know, make relationship, you know, in-person relationships. And it is important. I do feel like 
that has helped me a lot. Well, as a business person, since I was raised by entrepreneurs, creative ones, but entrepreneurs, you should always tell all the strangers you meet in real life that you have a business <laughs> online. <laughs> Maybe I'm working for Hallmark. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I I I'm trying to get better at it. Even a lot of people at the at the art school that I work at, they don't know that I'm even an artist or that. I'm but that's interested. crazy. You work at an art school. <laughs> I'm gonna harass you now. That's like my job. When I meet people, especially at like networking things, which I don't go to that many networking things, but when I do, and people don't have business cards, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, all right, I'm texting you later. You always have a business card. Granted, I was raised by like, I joke that I'm like, I'm very socially awkward and it's probably gotten way worse because I have worked for myself. That's a really good point. Like, I'm so awkward. But if I'm behind yeah. a table or like, I'm good with my business, like not right pushing my business, but like- Yeah, you have a business I'm, mindset. And- but if it's not business mindset, I'm so awkward. Like I'm awkward at the business mindset stuff. So, like if, at the business mindset stuff too. Like unless I'm behind a table at like an art show, but yeah. But it's so it's like day and night. If you put me in like a room where I'm supposed to, like a mixer, like a a cocktail. I feel thing. so like, awkward. I feel so awkward at like at art markets and craft markets. You know, I do those, and I just feel so awkward. But you know, it, it is. It's one of those things where I'm growing. I'm trying to grow. So <laughs> the art market I do Thanksgiving with a bunch of people who can't do very well. I feel like at a, at an art market, like people are there, you're there with intention and like at, a, at yeah. Thanksgiving or another thing where people are just kind of being, I feel like there's like mm-hmm. expectation or like you're required to talk to these people. And I'm like, what do you talk to these people about? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, yay. We kind of ended yeah. up covering all my other questions just by oh, okay. talking anyway. But um, is there anything you uh, feel like is like a good closing point or something you want to uh, – see, I told you I get really awkward. If no, you it's okay. Like, <laughs> I mean, I definitely I, – I definitely think what I want to see um, – you know, I am doing so much to try to just grow and to put myself out there and be authentic. And I so appreciate that when I see that. So I thank you for obviously being, you're, you're one of those people straight from the beginning. You've always been authentic in who you are and sharing your, not just your art, but how you feel. You know, too often we're told we feel too much like, oh, oh so dramatic, like we're, you know, just these artists struggling with our feelings. But the truth is, is I just, I hope that we see the world change in our lifetime where what we're seeing is, is more empathy for, for one another because we've been authentic, because we've bared our souls and we've shared our artwork and our lives with one another, whether that's through social media or in person. But I, you know, I hope that my kids grow up in a world, they become adults in a world where it's acceptable to, you know, share your struggles and all of those things. Because for so long, you know, we we're always told, don't talk about that. Don't talk about your life. You know, this is just your business or this is, you know, don't, don't involve other people. But I think what happens when we do is I know in my experience online is I've been able to connect with people who have had similar experiences but also with people who have had opposite experiences and hearing from them and seeing their authenticity is a wonderful and beautiful thing. And that's what I want to see more of in the world. I want to, I want to, I want to know your struggles so that I can come along and I can support you in that. And I can encourage you. And it wasn't like that when I was growing up. So I hope that we see the world change for the better in that way. Oh gosh. I hope so too. Like, I feel, I don't know. I feel like the world would be a nicer place if that was allowed. Yes. I feel like there's still so many things that aren't allowed. Or there's like, a lot of barriers we have to break through. I keep <sighs> telling my kids that. My kids are, you know, my kids all have unique special needs and, and learning disabilities and sensory issues and stuff. And um, I have a son who has Tourette's and he, um, I hope the world is a kinder place for him. 
because, you know, even though I don't struggle with Tourette's, I struggle with other things. And so I think it's a beautiful thing just to come alongside one another and say, regardless of what you're struggling with, I'm here Mm -hmm. and I have struggles too. And let's support one another. Um, I, I think we're seeing that movement slowly start to happen with mothers, you know, with motherhood, it, it's a similar thing. You know, you're, you're judged for what you've done wrong <laughs> and you're rarely encouraged or applauded for what you do right. And so a, a, a change in mindset for all of us and how we raise our kids, um, that's going to change the world. Oh, I feel like crying. Hey. <laughs> Okay, so how can people find you online and where should they go see all your awesomeness? So you can find me at heartbycc.com and on Instagram, I am heart underscore by underscore cc and uh, <laughs> you, can, or you can go to my website and you'll kind of find me from there. I have a Facebook page I rarely use, um, but yeah, you can go on Instagram. You're going to learn a lot more about me than just my art. I share not just my art, but also a big part of my heart. And uh, you can shop my prints and original art in my shop. Yay. Yay. Well, I super appreciate you being on my podcast. It means so much to me. Oh, it was wonderful. And it was so much fun. And I can't believe this is the first time we've seen me like talked in person face to face. But if I ever find myself in Florida, I'm going to come visit you. And if you you find yourself in San Diego, you have to come see me. I want to. I want to see you in the seals. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. So much fun. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you liked the episode, please subscribe or even better, leave a review. It makes iTunes really happy and hopefully makes them share this podcast with other people, which would make me really happy. If you have any ideas for topics to cover or for people you'd like me to interview, please email me. My email address is in the show notes. And thank you again. Have a great day.